The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. Man, I am so glad you're here, and uh, I love continuing to make some forward progress. In fact, as we start a new series called What's Next, um, I'm excited to talk about what's next. Um, there's just so much that has gone on. In fact, I was thinking about how, I mean, we're coming upon a year that this whole thing's been going on, and I think all of us are kind of going, all right, what does it look like to continue to move forward? Um, so glad you're here today. Um, as we jump in, if you're looking for a spot in Scripture to land, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. I always encourage you to bring a Bible, or maybe you've got a smartphone with a Bible app. You can turn there, Acts chapter 1. And I always encourage you to take notes, not because what I say is so amazing, but just because I really do believe as we gather that the Holy Spirit may impress upon your heart something that's worth remembering. So putting that in your notes in your phone or bringing something to write on is always a great idea. Um, question for you. How many of you guys would say that you love to fly? Just raise your hands. Okay, so some. How many would say you're fine with flying? It's okay, point A to point B, kind of the deal. Okay, how many would say you hate flying? Like just hate, 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 yeah. So you're in the same company as my wife. Now we're opposites because I really love flying. My wife hates flying. She's the kind of person that has to take like a volume when she's at the terminal, but she has to time it just right. Otherwise I'm like dragging her on the plane. Looks like I'm kidnapping somebody. Um, but uh, I love flying. I also don't necessarily need an aisle seat. Of course, I mean, uh, I'm not exactly 6'6". Six, six. You know, I'm more like 6'2". Um, but um, I know you're like subtract six more and that's where you're at. Okay. But, um, but I'm not huge. So I don't necessarily need the aisle seat. And of course, I hate the middle. But I love a window seat on a plane. There's something for me about looking out the window and watching the landscape go by. And of course, as you're taking off, things get smaller and smaller and smaller. And then like at 35,000 feet, of course, depending on the time of day that you're flying, um, during the day, you could see a ton of stuff. At night, it's kind of cool when you see you're coming upon a certain you know, little city where you see the streets because of the street lights. And if you've ever flown over a large city at night, it's kind of cool because you can kind of see the skyscrapers because you see the lights moving at different paces and stuff, kind of a a neat deal. But what I want to do today, and the reason I bring it up is because when you're at 35,000 feet, you can kind of see all that's going on as long as there's no clouds. And what I want to do today is take a 30, 35,000 foot level when it comes to talking about vision and what's next. I'm excited because this is a series I really think we need in so many ways. I think for a lot of us, it feels like this last year is a bit like a holding pattern and we're kind of on pause in a lot of ways. Of course, there's always a conversation about what normal looks like moving forward. Forward, you know, there's a new normal or whatever, you know, that kind of means. But today I'm excited because I want to talk about what's next. And um, if, if there's a word that describes this last year on our team, we meet regularly. We're talking about how to solve problems and do certain things. But there's a buzzword that we've banned from our staff meetings recently, and it's the word pivot, right? Because it's, it's everything's about pivoting. Like, okay, we're doing this, so we got to pivot and do that. We're doing this, pivot, we got to do that. Um, and so we've banned the word pivot, but over and over and over for us this last year, it's about pivoting. In fact, it all started, you know, back about March, what, 7th, 8th, somewhere where they said, hey, we were asking you to not meet for, you. of course, it was like six weeks to flatten the curve, right? We're still there. But anyway, um, another conversation. But, um, but I remember we sat in a meeting and we're like, okay, we can't meet. What do we need to do? And, and John Rich in our staff meeting goes, what, what, what about like old school driving? And everyone's like, ha, 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 ha. And I'm like, no, seriously, what if we did that? Um, and so we, you know, chopped down a tree, built a stage on the roof. We're still doing it today. In fact, at 11 a.m. this morning, we'll have another drive-in gathering for certain people that don't want to be in person. And I totally get that. And that's okay. But that was a major pivot. In fact, it was kind of comical because we put this video together from the roof last year and it went viral. And we had churches, I'm not exaggerating, like all over the world say, like, 
like, how are you, what are you guys doing? How do you do that? And we're like, well, we don't really know, but here's what we're gonna try, you know, because um, we were pivoting. Um, I was thinking of how, and I'm really proud of Grove Kids. It's, it's awesome today to have all ages available at 945. Can I hear an amen on that one? Um, and by the way, just a shout out to our Grove Kids team. We're rebuilding volunteer teams because we know there are certain people that right now don't necessarily want to volunteer for this season, and I get that, so we're working on that. But um, Grove Kids created different events where we're doing driving gatherings. And you kind of grab a box for the month and a certain theme, you know, you know for February, it's, it's the theme of love and stuff. But just really cool how they've had to pivot and do something totally different. Uh, we, had, we have a partnership with Convoy of Hope, who right now is down in Texas. They've sent semi-loads of, of water and food and stuff for what's going on down there, but Convoy came out, brought a semi-load here, and we were able to do grocery giveaways, and then we were thinking about, like, how can we raise money, because food is an issue, and we don't want people going without food. That's not acceptable. Nobody in this room thinks that's acceptable. So we did, if you remember, we did a telethon, an online telethon, where we are going, hey, let's try to raise 10 grand, and we'll give it to the food bank, and that's awesome, and I'm telling you guys, if you were part of that, I want to say thank you for your generosity, but we blew past 10 grand. We're like, sweet, let's hit 15. We blew past 15. Sweet, 20, blew past 20. We raised $25,000 and literally gave it all to the food bank because they get certain discounts. And yeah, I mean, I say that because again, it's like, I don't know how, we, nobody's done a, we don't know how to do an online telethon, but let's give it a shot. And it worked and it was really, really cool. And it was fun to interview, you know, Brock Heward and, and some news personalities and stuff like that. Um, but again, just ways that we're trying to do things differently. I know Zoom groups aren't necessarily this big, crazy, awesome thing, but we're doing discipleship via Zoom and we've got different groups with different topics and seeing people log in and, and have conversations, discipleship, marriage, you know, finance, all kinds of different conversations. But again, just a way to help people walk this journey out, realizing that while we may be limited to a degree, you know, what are we going to do? Now, I share this because it all comes from a certain question that I want to encourage you to think about in your own life. When it seems like you're losing, how do you win? That's literally been a question that for the last year, over and over and over as a team, we're asking ourselves, when it seems like we're losing, how do we win? When they say, hey, we're asking you to not meet or you meet driving only or whatever, we've, we've processed that over and over and over. And it's something where, you know, some of you guys are like, well, the answer is you hire Tom Brady. And that's not what I'm looking for. Um, but obviously he, he, he knows how to win. Um, the whole idea though, is instead of taking something as well, that's a loss and it just is what it is. Is there a way to still win. Now I say all that because as a, at the Grove Church, as a culture, it's always how do we find a way to win no matter what? And, and we will pivot, we will reach, we will love well, we will continue to be a light in the world that we live in because that never stops. As a church, we will not be silenced. Now, some of you hear that and all of a sudden, immediately, your mind goes to the idea of persecution and, and government and politics and church camp meet and all that stuff, but that's not what I'm talking about at all. In fact, I've said before, if, church, if the church is gonna experience a level of persecution, I'll be the first one lined up to go to jail because I'm not gonna let the light not shine. I could care less whether I end up in jail or not as long as I can stand for the message of Jesus Christ because that's the message that matters. But let me be more specific when I say what I just said. As a church, we will not be silenced. I'm talking about, listen carefully, I'm talking about our own ability to use our voice and be the witness we're called to be rather than looking at church as a place or a time that we attend. That's not church. The idea that, that you, know, you look at church as a box to check in order to get to heaven, that's not church. 
You go back and look at church, a list of rules to follow. That's not church. And I want you to hear this because it's a big deal, a version of spirituality that, that's sort of for me, but I would never impose upon anybody else. That's not church. A, a, a club to join for the benefits, that's not church. Now, let me be very clear, and some of you guys are not gonna like what I'm about to say. Do you realize the greatest threat to the church has always been church people? Did you know that? And the reason is because it's easy to look at the idea of gathering and being a church as a club where I get what I want and it's all about me, myself, and I. And that's not church. And so the greatest detriment, the greatest problem, the greatest challenge to, to the church has always been church people. In fact, it's not persecution. And in this series, we're actually gonna talk about persecution in the church and how persecution has actually been a catalyst to help faith not hinder it. And we're gonna talk about in church history, you talk about China and what hasn't been allowed and, and Bibles being banned and yet Christianity and faith is flourishing. It's just in the underground. Talk about throughout the history of time when, when, when faith isn't allowed, faith is actually allowed to flourish partly because I believe the church begins to take the mission far more seriously. And so when we have a series and we open it up today with something called what's next, I'm excited to talk about what's next because what's next is we will always shine the light of Jesus Christ. We will always be a beacon of hope. We will always stand for the message of the gospel of forgiveness through the cross and the price paid by Jesus for your life and my life. We'll always do that because we're always called to do that. And that's where in the world we live in, it's so easy. And, and, and hear me here, it's so easy right now to look at our world and feel so stressed out and full of anxiety and feel so afraid and it seems so dark and it seems so hopeless. But can I remind you, isn't it true that the darker the night, the brighter the light? When has that ever not been true? And, and, and maybe it rhymes for a reason. Okay, I won't even, but, so, but, but think about it for a second. Since when, when things get dark, should you and I hole up and be intimidated? Since when, when things get confusing and crazy, should you and I live in anxiety, cowering in this world that we live in? We're not called to. We're called to shine the light of Christ to a world that all the more needs it. Man, it's too quiet in here. Like I said, the greatest threat to the church has always been church people that treat the church as a club where it's all about me getting what I want because I'm part of the club. I've been saying for years and I want you to hear me again. I believe the greater maturity you and I grow in, the larger our hearts become for people that don't know who Jesus is yet. I don't believe maturity becomes more and more about me, myself, and I. In fact, that would be immaturity. Our love for God's mission cannot be silenced by you and I simply focusing on ourselves. We cannot become ambivalent to a world because Jesus reminds us that he died for this world. One of the most basic verses in scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the message. And let me just say it this way. I realize there are certain people with a certain call to, to you know, politics or a certain call to certain social agendas and, and, and that's fine. But let me just say this. If those things get in front of our ability to live for the mission of Jesus, something has gone wrong. 
And I see far too many churches waving the banners with certain purposes that seem to be aside from the gospel of Christ. Are you a red church or a blue church? Are you a conservative church or a progressive church? Are you this church or that church? And you know where I stand in that conversation? I am a follower of Jesus that's part of the Grove Church that believes in the mission of helping people understand forgiveness and grace and love and hope in the person of Jesus Christ crucified on a cross so that you and I could have life. That's where I stand. And I don't ever want anything to overshadow that. It's too important than for something else to get in the way of our ability to shine the light. And we will always be a vibrant community of believers that lives out the mission to help others know Jesus. Somebody once said it this way, the local church is the only organization that exists in the history of the world for the sole purpose of its non-members. The local church is the only organization in the history of the world that exists for the sole purpose of its non-members. What does that mean? It doesn't mean we don't gather and be encouraged. It doesn't mean we don't worship and, and allow the work of the Spirit together to move in us. That's important and that's great, but the whole point is that you and I bask in the presence of God and enjoy getting goosebumps every now and then. It's the idea that you and I gather and are encouraged and challenged and filled to the place where we go out and make a difference, and that's where we find finally... Acts chapter one, we're there. <laughs> Luke, Dr. Luke wrote the book of Acts. We call it Acts because it's the activity, the acts of the first century church. He also wrote the gospel of Luke, as you can probably imagine, and he was somebody who interviewed disciples and put together the pieces of, of the story as he writes it in what we call the gospel of Luke. But he says this, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God, verse four, on one occasion. While he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse six, so then when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Jesus, help us understand the importance importance of what's going on here. Help us wrap our heads around, our minds around what's happening. And God, I pray, even as we dismiss in a few moments from now, that there will be something about the empowerment from your Holy Spirit that begins to change our perspective, that begins to see us to see differently than we've ever seen, that begins to help us understand what we live for and helping that light shine through every one of us as a conviction in a world that can feel unbelievably polarized unbelievably confused, unbelievably dark, unbelievably hopeless, even still help us shine through your empowerment to a world that needs it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 He says, in my former book, Theophilus, 
The whole idea of what Luke is doing, which by the way, he was part of the missionary journeys as he continued through the book of Acts, but he knew the disciples and traveled with them to help establish churches all over the place. And he's writing to Theophilus and of course, many others, even to you and I today, helping us understand the gospel of Jesus in the gospel of Luke and then the early church in the book of Acts. He says, I wrote about all the things Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. And he talks about that here in a moment. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs he was alive. He appeared to them. And then it says in verse four, on one occasion while he was eating, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to the disciples, don't go yet, be filled first. I have a promise coming, which by the way, he did speak about in the gospels. He talked about a different baptism. What I love today is today we're gonna baptize, I don't know, 10 plus people that have given their lives to faith in Christ. And if you're one of those, that you've made a commitment to faith in Jesus Christ, but since that commitment, you haven't been water baptized. Honestly, I wanna challenge you today at 1145, after our drive-in gathering, we're gonna baptize people in the lobby and we're gonna celebrate the stories of life change. And if you're one of those people, as we dismiss today, I would encourage you to, to, as you head into the lobby, talk to the gals at the desk over there and sign up and take that step today. But when you talk about what Jesus is saying here, he says, John baptized with water. That's what we're gonna do today, baptized with water. But he says, there's coming a different baptism that's better. And the reason is because if you're taking notes, write down John 14, 15, and 16. In John's gospel, Jesus talked about, I'm going away and I have to leave. But when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So he talks about this idea of the Holy Spirit coming and empowering every one of the disciples in order to go out and be witnesses. He says, don't go anywhere, but wait and receive this power that's coming. And it's a reminder for you and I. And as we end this gathering today, I'm gonna pray that the Holy Spirit fill every one of us afresh because we need it. And he talks about this whole picture, this whole idea of, of, of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. He talks about how, you know, John did it with water, but in a few days from now, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I love. The disciples' response is this. Lord, are you at this time gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? They, for some reason, they were still missing it by, by quite a ways. You gotta remember that during the gospels, as we look at the life of Jesus, Israel was under Roman occupation. They weren't there a free nation to do whatever they wanted to do. In fact, part of Jesus' trial was he was being passed from different rulers because there was this wrestling match between the rulers in Israel and the rulers of the Roman empire that gave Israel permission to do what they would do. And so they're looking at this as, okay, you said you were gonna go and die and then you would, you would reign and now that you've done that, we kind of get it and this is amazing and you're alive and it's a miracle and, and awesome. But Jesus says, you're gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit and they're like, okay, this is it. Once we're filled, then we'll rule and reign. They still don't get it. That wasn't the point in this moment. In fact, Jesus' response, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. He basically says, don't set that aside. Can I be honest with you? It's a little bit of a side sermon here today, but there are so many of us that we want the answers. 
We want the clarity. We want to understand everything. We want control. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to remind you, you got to let go of control. If you haven't learned anything in the last 11 months, I don't think any of us last March 1st thought anything like this would be going on. That this last year would play out the way that it has. And yet I really believe you and I should find comfort in Jesus' words. Hey, let's not worry about all those details. Let's not get into all that. And what is his answer? It is not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. I love what Jesus does here because similar to a series we're calling What's Next, we look at this world and like I said, it would be easy for you and I to feel overwhelmed by all that's gone on and to, to, to almost feel this kind of hole up and circle the wagons and, and stuff. And yet, just like Jesus says to the disciples back in his day, you may not understand the dates and times, you may not get everything that's going on and you gotta trust God with that stuff. But what you need is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What you need is power from on high. And going back to what I said about John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus says, I'm going away, but it's a good thing I go away because once I'm gone, the Holy Spirit will come and fill you. And when you're filled, going back to John in the middle of that gospel, when you're filled, not only... Will you deal with the issue of sin? Because Jesus talks about the spirit coming and convicting of sin and dealing with the need in our lives for righteous, holy living, setting aside those things that, that hinder us. But the other part of the equation is filled with power. In fact, the word here for baptism is the word dunamis. And some of you already know this, but it's the same word that you and I get the word dynamite. It's explosive power to be witnesses. It's like being filled with a dose of the I can't help, but it's like gushing out of me. I want to shine the love of Jesus Christ to a world that needs it. And that never Jesus said, be filled with power. But it's not just about getting the goosebumps. It's about realizing the power is to be a witness. The power is to live a different life. The power is to shine a certain light. That's the vision piece, be filled with power so you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth modern day. You could say it's, it's, it's to be my witnesses in, in Marysville and the surrounding areas in Snohomish County and Washington and the USA and all over the world. Be witnesses. What's next for the Grove Church? This vision piece, be witnesses, that never ends, that never stops. What kind of witness are you? What kind of light are you shining Jesus gave them a picture of, setting, of shedding sin, living sacrificially and shining light. Vision. This whole series is gonna be about vision. I, I don't believe we're in a hopeless state, you guys. And I don't mean Washington state. <laughs> Although you could, okay, anyway, so. I, I, I don't believe that, that you and I are just gonna exist well, at least we get to heaven, right? Come on, that's good. Well, I mean, 
if I can just get through. I realize that it is harder than ever to get down to the truth. I realize you read articles and one article can say one thing and another can say another. I was reading about this whole thing in Texas and I read a bunch of different articles and one was talking about they're not ready for the wind turbines and they can't handle the cold or whatever and read another article, Alaska thriving, living off of wind turbines where it's negative a bunch of degrees. That's just an example of like, it's hard to get down to what's true sometimes. Anybody else struggle with that besides me? I mean, we're, we're in here, we're wearing masks and we're all going, seriously, like, is this, should we, should we not? What is going on? The vaccine, does it work, does it not? I mean, what, all this stuff, I get it. It's very confusing. But, but, and I don't mean to oversimplify this, but for me, I'm like, you know what? What I wanna do is do my best to shine the light of Christ. What I wanna do my best is to share the grace and love that he's provided us. And I want this world to see that, that we care. That when we talk about vision and we talk about what could be and we talk about this idea, by the way, vision, a mental picture of a preferred future. It goes back to the series we just ended, Counting Chickens, the idea of anticipating something. And as a church, you guys, we're always gonna be filled with vision to make a difference. And there are ways that I believe God's gonna call us to do that together. And I believe there are ways that God's gonna call us to do that individually or in certain groups or realize that you got neighbors that are part of the Grove Church that God's gonna call you to take a step out together. But can I just be honest with you? Hope never dies. We are always a hope-filled people. And I'm excited. And I'm excited to get into this series because like I said, we're gonna talk more specifically about what it means. There are things that, that we're dreaming about as far as how, how, how to continue to reach and, and build bridges to a world that needs it. I think about the idea of, of certain kids and some I've been praying for in tears, the hopelessness and, 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 and the conversation of suicide, all that stuff that hurts so bad, you guys. Praying. But there's things that I remember years ago dreaming about. I'll just throw one out there so we're not at 35,000 feet now. We're coming down a little bit. But like, what about the idea of, of like a youth center? a place for young people to go after school instead of just logging on at home and getting into whatever they're getting into online or going out and finding a relationship and doing things they shouldn't be or finding somebody that wants to give them some drugs and, and take the edge off of how they're feeling. But what about as we, as we move on, what, what, what would it look like to lease a space where young people after school could come and, and, and they could be tutored and get some food? Maybe they just want to play some foosball or basketball or maybe a little skate park is part of it a safe place for young people to come rather than, than getting stuck in some of these places. And, and I'm thinking, people go, how, how would you even pay for that? You know, what, you know what? What if every business right on State Avenue, I'm in Marysville today here, when I think about this. What if every business was gonna donate 20 bucks or 50 bucks a month? So we're gonna make that happen because we believe in young people. Vision. For young people to live different. Because I've done enough memorials for young people that it's absolutely heart-wrenching. Times where I feel I can't even get through it. You don't have the words to say and all you can do is cry. That's not what we want for young people. That's not the life we want for, for kids growing up in our world, is it? What would it look like to provide something different? The light is shining. Same with adults, things are just, just eking by. What would it look like? Creating a space, I've shared this before, where people that want to get better jobs, they come and we help them put together resumes and do mock interviews to help them answer better certain questions they're going to get asked so they can continue to look at getting better jobs, opportunities. Ways to continue. We talk about iHeart over and over. And it's not just five days during the summer, but ways that we build bridges in the community. 
to better certain places to show that we care. It goes back to the original question as we end today. When it seems like we're losing, how do we win? And I want you to think about that through the lens of your marriage. We're going through a rough time and it seems like we're losing. What do we do? It seems like as you're raising your kids and you're sick of Zoom and your kids are tired of it and things are really hairy at home. How do we win? And as a Grove Church, we have prayed like crazy, God, when it seems like we're losing, how do we win? And it's been fun to figure out ways, but those ways never end because we have a wonderfully creative God that's gonna continue to impart to us certain wisdom on how to make the difference we're called to make. And we're all part of the journey together and we're each part of this journey individually. And again, I'm gonna try to keep it at 35,000 feet here as we end. But we're always called to shine the light and that can never stop, you guys. Jesus' love for a world so much so that he paid the price that we could find life. The vision of that light never stopping. Father, today, there's so much about our world that, that I think we all feel it at times. I'm not immune to it. We all feel it. It feels confusing or it feels polarized. It feels hateful. It feels angry and short and, and, and all that stuff. But I pray that, that something begins to happen in our lives. Something begins to happen in our minds. Something begins to happen in our souls because of the power of your Holy Spirit that helps us begin to see far differently maybe than we've seen this last year. That we're not gonna live in hopelessness. That we're not gonna cower in fear. That we're not gonna circle the wagons and make this about us. But God, we are gonna shine a light because that's what we're called to do. That Jesus, the vision that you gave to the early church was go and, and or not go, it was, it was come and be filled, that you may go and be witnesses. And my prayer today is that through your spirit, even as I pray that you would release, God, a, a fresh move of your spirit in every one of our hearts, that as the word talks about, we can be baptized fresh, with your power that God, our thinking begins to change. The hopelessness begins to be peeled away. The sin that tempts us and entangles us begins to fall by the wayside. And that God, we're recommitting ourselves to shining your light. We're recommitting ourselves to rising up your hope. And while at certain times it feels like we're losing, I pray that we would begin to pray, Lord, how do we win? What does it look like in my family? What does it look like in my marriage? What does it look like in my neighborhood? What does it look like where I go to work? What does it look like in the community that I'm a part of? What does it look like in the church that I belong to? Because it's not just about a set of beliefs. It's not just about gathering. It's not just about coming in and hearing a message, God. It's very much about a light that needs to shine into our world. And God, I pray through a fresh move of your spirit that we leave here convinced, convicted, moved by you to rise up and make the difference you're calling us to make. And I pray throughout this series that there's a fire that begins to be lit in every one of us in a new way. That no matter what goes on in our world, that your hope and your life and your light pours from us because we're filled to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, it's in your name we pray today. 
Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.